choir special this week. If I did, I didn't remember it, but what a special song. What a special song. Thank you so much for that choir. And That's what I want to talk about today, the power and peace of God. You have a whole page there that, that Brother Dan left you to take notes on. I know some of you are disappointed. I don't have you an outline. I'll try to do better next week. But um, uh, the, the, the power and the peace of God. I don't know about you, but with all that's been going on and, and still going on in, in many places, even as we speak with Hurricane Florence, my mind took me to the Gospel of Matthew, the 8th chapter, verses 23 through 27, as I watched over, and I know you did as well, over and over again on the news stations where people were going, these rescue boats were going in and, and liter- literally rescuing people, animals, cattle, and whatever else they could bring out with them. And all I could picture as I read this passage, Matthew eight twenty three to 27, was Jesus, as He said to the wind and the waves, what did He say? Peace, be still. And how God, uh, uh, how the God of the universe, the great God that we have as our Father, as one who loves us, took what could have been a Category 4, possible Category 5 storm that could have slammed in to the North Carolina or South Carolina coast, and He reduced that down to around a 1 or 2. What a miracle! What a blessing! I remember saying after Hugo... I hope that I never live through another Hugo. And as Florence began to generate, I said, "Uh uh-oh, God must be fixing to kill me or he's fixing to do something with this storm. I'm thankful for the latter. Matthew chapter 8. Very familiar piece of Scripture as as we read that this morning together. Matthew 8. Turn there with me in your copy of God's Word reading from the... New King James today, Matthew 8, verse 23, reads this way and following. And when he, that's Jesus, got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, that's a storm, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he, then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, if you write in your Bible or highlight in your Bible, I would like for you to highlight, underline, note, note the next part here in verse 27. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be? That even the winds and the sea obey Him. The Word of the Lord. Lord, thank You for the Scripture today. Thank You, Lord God, that each Sunday, when we open this book called the Holy Bible, these 66 books, we can count on them. We can have faith in them. 
we can believe in these words because these are the very words of you. So thank you for this passage of Scripture today. Speak to our hearts. Show us what it is you would have us to learn. We pray in your name. Amen. Now, I know we could take lots of different angles on this passage, and I'm sure you have studied this and maybe have even taught this in your own special way. But let me say this to us, that this passage ultimately is not giving is not given to us to say this, that God wants to, to calm the storms in our lives. Now, we know He does. But this passage, get this, is about the sovereignty, big fancy word, about the sovereignty of God. And this is what this passage is calling us to do this morning. The same thing he, he said to his disciples and what they did in verse 27. And I ask you to highlight it. So the men marveled. You see, church, these verses are not about you. They are not about our storms, but they are about the beauty and the majesty of Christ, the one that was in the storm. They tell us about Jesus, His authority, His greatness. And as we see uh, this story as it begins and transpires and eventually ends, we find Jesus and, and His disciples in a boat and experts believe that there were more than one boat and more than more than just the twelve with him at this time. Uh, they were in that boat, and it was a it was a, a fisher a fisherman's boat, and they were in the midst of a storm. And what does Jesus do? I can see him right now taking his finger and putting to his lips and saying, like we do to our kids so many times, "Shh, that means to be quiet." That means what Jesus said was He said, Peace, be still. What was He doing? He was exercising His authority over the elements, that of the wind and the waves. Where is this storm? Scripture tells us that it was in the Sea of Galilee. Not a tremendous body of water, if you know anything about it. It's about 13 miles long. So about from here to King Street probably, and about eight miles wide. So about half that distance wide. So it's not a big body of water. And it was down in, uh, it was the mountains were up here, and this lake was down the sea, or lake was down in a little valley type. And, and, and what would happen when those cold winds would come off the mountains and mix with the warm air from the sea, we know what happened. It happens here today. A storm comes up. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like Florence that just kind of brewed out there for days and days. It came up just like that. It came up immediately. And it could erupt with very much, without very much warning. Look at verse number 24 back with me again. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. And suddenly, that means instantly. Bam! It happened just that quick. A picture of suddenness. They go from peace to a storm. A great tempest. Now I have a Greek, a Hebrew and Greek uh, little uh, study on, uh, on words. And I looked up that. And in the Greek, a Greek tempest, in the Greek it means a mega seismic. 
So it must have been a great storm, because keep in mind, these fishermen who had fished hours and hours on this Sea of Galilee, what did it say about them? They were afraid. So it must have been a pretty big storm. As the boat was being tossed to and fro, these men began to fear for their lives. Have you been there? Have you been there? Have you been cruising along in life when, when all of a sudden, bam, and some mega seismic hits you? I can say I have been, and I know you have. Let me share just one. On, on November the 2nd, 1989, it was a Thursday morning, deer season was in, and my dad worked, had his own finance business, and he, Summerson closed down at 12 o'clock. Everybody closed down, so at 12 o'clock, we knew where, uh, or I knew where my dad was going. He was going deer hunting. I didn't like deer hunting, so I never really went with him, maybe a time or two. But this particular day, he gets his gun, he gets in his truck, he takes off, and we never see him again, at least not alive. Bam! Bam! Now, here's the question. How did these fishermen find themselves in the midst of a storm? Think with me now. you, you got to get this. How do they end up fretting for their lives? Look at verse number 23. And when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. By golly, they got in the storm by following Jesus. You say, that don't sound good, preacher. By following Jesus, what does that do to us? Having that personal relationship with Christ. Being born again promises us eternal life and admits us into our heavenly home. But, get this, church, following Jesus does not incubate us from the storms of life. Following Jesus does not mean that we won't have problems or troubles we know a lady that used to love to sing in that choir right there. And she sat right there, and I can remember the first time I ever heard her sing. And she loves to sing. And her name is Shirley Reardon. And Shirley Reardon had no idea that day that she got up and got ready to do her normal activity that she would be uh, stricken by a stroke. And not only one stroke, but three more strokes. Kevin Smith, a man of great health, goes to the doctor, gets test results, cancer, 35 chemo plus radiation treatments. It happens. It happens by following Jesus. See, this passage of Scripture tells me that sometimes we can dot all the theological I's and cross all the theological T's. We can, we can, we can give our tithes and we can give our offerings and we can do all that we can do for God and stand, still find ourselves where? In the middle of a storm. And you know what? Those outside the family of God, I'm convinced in my, in my heart of hearts that they can't explain it. And a lot of times we can't explain it, but we know this. We know who gets us through those storms, don't we? We know who can get us through those. There's a song that I love that says, Jesus will still be there. Listen, look that song up and listen to it. 
We preached a few Sundays ago about Psalm 23, verse number 1. And everybody loves that psalm. And, and, and we can probably memorize it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What kind of picture is David painting for us here? He's seeing God as the shepherd and he sees himself as a sheep. And he is following the shepherd. And look what happens here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He was following the shepherd and he was in the valley of the shadow of death. David says, look, I'm, I ended up in the valley and how did I get there? By following the shepherd. But, but, what does it say? I will fear no evil. Why? Because scripture says, because you, God, are with me. That's why. That's why we should fear no evil. Remember Job? When his family was taken from him? When he was, he was sick? When he lost everything but his life? And God got him through it. Why in the world would God allow such? We know this verse. Let me remind us of it. Romans 8:28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose All things good times not so good times mega seismic times all things, it says, Scripture says, and I believe it and I pray that you do too, are working together for our good. You see, Jesus is saying this, trust me, I, I know it's difficult to see past that mega seismic, but don't lean on your own understanding, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Yes, it may hurt for a little bit, but I'm working it out for your good. Now, if you ask Kevin Smith or Shirley Reardon, if they have figured it out, why they had to go through what they have been through, they may not can tell us right now. But I can tell you this. I know these two enough, and I'm sure many of others you have been through things before. They will one day, God will one day reveal that to them. But rest assured, they're stronger people because of it. Notice how Jesus walks through life's storms with us. Here the fisherman uh, boat being swamped by water and Jesus is asleep. <laughs> now the one that can get them out of the storm is asleep. He's taking it easy. No doubt he's tired. He's exhausted from long days of healing and, and teaching. Verse 25. Then his disciples came to him and, and woke him up. Jesus, wake up! Don't you know that we're about to perish? We're about to sink. We're about to die. And I'm sure they had done everything humanly possible to save themselves. And they had nowhere else to turn but to Jesus. Church, get this. Isn't it interesting how the Lord sometimes has to bring us to a point of absolute 
desperation before he gets our attention. And that's what he was doing with the disciples whose boat was about to be swamped and and torn to pieces. They had run out of human solutions. Nothing we've tried so far has done any good. And, And the last resort, which should have been the first resort, they go to Jesus. Thinking, just perhaps the one who could cleanse lepers, just the, perhaps the one who restores sight to the blind, could also have the power over the wind and the waves. See, their great fear was mixed with a flicker of faith. I read a story this week, pretty, pretty good. It's told of a hardened old sea captain who was quite vocal about his atheism. One night during a storm, he was washed overboard, and his men heard him crying out to God for help. When he was finally rescued, one of the men asked him, I thought you didn't believe in God. He replied, Well, if there isn't a God, there ought to be one for times like this. You see, as I read that so many times, all of us included Turn to the Lord only when every other resource has been exhausted. When He's the last resort, when He should be the first resort. When sickness and death and loss of a job and some other tragedy comes in our life. We cry out to God, much like the disciples were doing here. You see, God is always pleased when someone turns to Him. Especially for salvation. I think God is always pleased when His own people, Christians, those of us who are in the family of God, cry out to Him even in desperation. Because it shows it's a sign to remember whose we are. Jesus' response there in verse 26. But He said to them, Why are you fearful? Why are you fearful, O you of Little faith. The disciples must have wondered why Jesus wondered at them. And I'm sure they were thinking, how in the world could he ask that? Ask if we were afraid when they had everything to be afraid of, according to them. So the greatest question in their mind was this. Jesus, why aren't you afraid? Jesus' calmness perplexed them. It threw him a curveball. They even began to accuse him of being insensitive of what they thought was about to happen to them. If you read Mark's account of this passage, it says this, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Why are you fearful? Matthew eight twenty six says. He's asking them, and then he gave an answer as part of the question, Oh, you of little faith. He tells them, you don't have faith. They were faithless. He was saying to him, look, don't you, don't, don't you believe in me and my power? Haven't you seen enough of my, of my power and experienced enough of my love to know you are perfectly safe with me? Because of my power, I can help you. Because of my compassion and the great love I have for you, I will help you. And I can imagine. He said, look, look, fellas, look, look get this. Even if you do drown, 
Guess what? Instantly in heaven. So you are in a win-win situation. Says, look, what have you been worrying about? Let's wrap it up this way. After Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. So the men marveled. So the men marveled. Back up. As fast as that storm came up, church, was as fast as it ceased. It came up abruptly and it ended suddenly as Jesus spoke to it. So here is why the passage is given to us today. Verse 27, don't ever forget it. So the men marveled. They were amazed. They were astonished. But get this. We've got to get this. Hang on, just, just a minute more. We've got to notice that these men did not marvel that the storm stopped. But they marveled at the man who stopped the circumstances. To marvel at changed circumstances is as foolish as marveling at the basketball that goes to the hoop to win the game. We shouldn't marvel at the basketball. We should marvel at the one who did what? Made the shot. Likewise, the fishermen are not marveling at the situation that the situation has changed. They're marveling at the one who spoke the words that changed the circumstances. They're marveling at Jesus. Who are we marveling at? It's like looking for a diamond to purchase. <clears throat> Remember when you went to purchase that diamond for that special someone or maybe you got a diamond for another occasion? For the most part, I'm told that, that when a diamond is shown to a potential buyer, there's a black cloth that they lay that diamond on. <clears throat> puts a piece of black cloth and puts that diamond on it. And what does that black cloth cause? It causes the brilliance and the radiance of that diamond to pop. You could see it a lot better. You see, the diamond wouldn't have shown up if he would have just placed it right there on the clear counter. But with the black background, it shines. Let me say this to us. The mega seismics in our life is the black cloth. That's the black cloth. The cancer is the black cloth. The unemployment is the black cloth. The wayward child is the black cloth. The stress is the black cloth. But God allows, get this, the black cloth to be there. So what? So that the brilliance of His Son, the Lord Jesus, might pop. Might show forth. So when people see us going through the storms, going through the health scare, may they marvel not at our deliverance, but at the one who delivered us. For he and he alone is worthy. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. What a powerful, powerful message for each of us. Lord, this passage is not necessarily about you getting us through the storms. But Lord God, it's about your sovereignty. It's about your power, your majesty. 
See, it just reminds us, oh God, that it's all about you. And we saw in the end when these disciples did everything they knew to do in and of themselves, that they finally said, hey, I think we need to call on Jesus. Lord, may we call on Jesus. May we look to Jesus for the big things, for the small things. And Lord God, when life throws us a curveball, that mega seismic, whatever it may be, Lord, help us to lean on you. Help us to call on you. Help us to know that you will get us through, that your will will be done. Lord, remind us, remind us in the storms that we have been through, the storms that maybe we are going through right now and the storms that that may be ahead of us. Help us to look first to you. First, put you first in all things and you will see us through. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.